You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Panthers fans. It's time for our latest Locked On Podcast Crossover Thursday special. I'm Corbett Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for today's crossover, Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. We've got a big matchup coming up at Lumen Field. Even though the Panthers are 4-8, and eight, they're still very much alive in the NFC South race. And the Seahawks are only one game behind the 49ers in the NFC West. So major playoff implications heading into this Week 14 matchup. Before we get to our crossover here, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 with the promo code locked on that's pricepicks.com promo code locked on all right it's crossover thursday time here on the locked on podcast network julian the panthers the only team so far that's changed head coach actually second team the colts also changed their coach as well matt rule getting fired early in the season and the panthers are three and four since they installed Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach. They seem to be playing much better football heading into this matchup against the Seahawks at Lumen Field. Yeah, they are, Corbin. And I don't think anyone thought when the Panthers were 1-4 and four when Steve Wilkes took over eight weeks ago that the Panthers would be in this position going to Week 14 game on the road against Seattle to still win a division. Now, it took a little bit of a hit on Monday night when Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does and had that comeback late in the fourth quarter. The Panthers now two games behind the Buccaneers in the NFC South standings. They do play again in week 17 at Tampa Carolina won that game earlier on in the season 21 to three so they will have the tiebreaker if they're able to get that win but when looking at it the Panthers got to go five and zero over the last five weeks of the season if they want to have really a realistic shot of winning of course Tampa has some games they could lose they still have to play at the 49ers on Sunday and of course they play the Panthers they got to play Cincinnati but you have to be perfect. You have to finally find a way to win some football games. And Steve Wilkes has talked about having that playoff mentality. He's talked about the Panthers need to do something they have not done all season long, and that's win on the road. And it's also win back-to-back games. They can knock out both of those if they can win on the road in Seattle on Sunday. And I told my listeners earlier this week, this is one of the bigger Panther games that we've had over the last couple of seasons. Since David Tepper, the Panthers owner, took over, this team has not been close to being in playoff contention. Cam Newton's had his injuries. There's been the quarterback carousel. Baker Mayfield's now a Los Angeles Rams. Sam Darnold's now the starter for this week's game. P.J. Walker started this, some games this season. He's a backup this week. Through all of that, the Panthers at 4-8 and eight still have an opportunity to win the NFC South, but it all starts on Sunday at Lumen Field against the Seattle Seahawks. And as a Seahawks host, I can tell you, I can relate with being in a division where you have a chance to win the division when you're four games under 500. The Seahawks went seven and nine back in 2010 and actually won a playoff game that year. So crazy things have happened with weak divisions. And ironically, the NFC South has dominated the Seahawks this year. They have not won any of their previous three games against the NFC South. They've been awesome against every other division. So I don't know what to speak to that, but Going into this game, the Seahawks finally got back in the win column. They're seven and five, beat a beat up Rams team barely. It was a much tougher game than expected. The Rams always play them tough, even if they're missing a bunch of their star players. Divisional battles are always that way. Those games just tend to have some weird things that happen. And the Rams played really good football last week. The Seahawks held on for the victory. The big question coming into this game, though, 
Is Geno Smith going to have anybody to hand the ball to behind him? The Seahawks want to have a balanced offense, and Geno's been so darn good this year and efficient throwing the football, but this is still a Pete Carroll coach team. They want to run the ball. Ken Walker III jams his ankle last week. He might not be available this week. DJ Dallas, high ankle sprain. He might not be available this week. Travis Homer missed last game with a knee injury. He might not be available even though he practiced today. His status is still up in the air. Tony Jones Jr. is the only healthy running back on the 53-man roster. They signed Wayne Gallman to their practice squad. He might have to play some this weekend if none of those injured players come back. Rashad Penny's still on injured reserve. Maybe they can get him back at the tail end of the season or in the playoffs if they make the postseason. But right now, this is an extremely battered backfield. And Yikes. If Seattle wants to run the ball, they're going to have to do it with some players that weren't even on the roster most likely heading into this game. And I think they're going to have to be more than one dimensional given the talent of the Panthers defense. Yeah, that's interesting to me, too, because I was reading up on Kenneth Walker's injury and Pete Carroll was saying that it wasn't an ankle sprain, like it wasn't low ankle, it was a high ankle couldn't really explain what it was like. What really is the severity of that? Like, is it possible that he plays on Sunday or does it feel like he's definitely going to be out Sunday afternoon? Right now, it really feels like a 50-50 proposition because it really didn't look like much when it happened in the game the other day. It was on his third carry, and you could tell. And they, They've had issues with the turf in L.A. They've played two games in SoFi Stadium, and they've had a couple guys go down. Yeah. And it just looked like he landed kind of awkwardly, and it did look like he jammed his ankle a little bit. So I don't know if that's something that he can quickly work back from. Pete Carroll seemed a little more optimistic today, though he still didn't provide many details, and Walker did not practice today. Neither did Dallas. And so – this is a team, again, they they like to run the football, and it's been a struggle for them the last three or four games, having that balance with guys healthy, now being banged up, probably playing practice squad players, along with Tony Jones Jr., who has been a healthy scratch most of the season since they got him off the Saints practice squad. I mean, it has been a really difficult last few weeks, and they're going to need to be able to have a little bit of balance, or otherwise Brian Burns and company, they're going to be getting after Geno Smith. So that really, to me, is the biggest storyline for Seattle going into this game, and it seems like there have been way too many Decembers like this in recent years where they don't just have one guy go down. They just have running backs dropping like flies. It seems to happen annually, just like Christmas, and they're hoping they'll have at least one or two of those guys available to them this weekend. But that really is a huge storyline that could really help the Panthers' chances of winning at Lumen Field this week. No, I mean, absolutely. And the Panthers are going to want to stop the run. They've struggled with it at periods of time this season. And I was reading up on the Seahawks before copping on here with you, uh, Corbin, and saw since week 10, the Seahawks are only averaging 48 yards per game on design runs, which is last in the league. They're 31st in yards per carry on design runs also. And the Panthers, according to, you know, to EPA, they're 14th in rushing. But at times, it can be much better. And they certainly have stood up to the test the last couple of weeks playing against some running teams like against the Ravens, like against the Falcons on that Thursday night football game and Steve Wilkes has really challenged this defense to stop the run and if they can keep Seattle one-dimensional that certainly like you said allows a player like Brian Burns who for the first time his career is over 10 sacks in, his, in a season it's going to allow him to go tee off and potentially get after Geno Smith who has been really good as far as the Panthers go there are some injury concerns as far as their running back and Deontay Foreman he didn't practice on Wednesday he suffered a foot injury. He attributes it to the turf field at Bank of America Stadium, which has been called into question in recent weeks. And no surprise, as you mentioned, that Kenneth Walker also had an injury on a turf field there at SoFi Stadium in L.A. It's almost as if field turf is bad for the players, but we know the league doesn't actually care about the health and safety of the players and the workforce. But moving on, for the Carolina Panthers, really the biggest story heading into this week is the quarterback situation. As Baker Mayfield 
Never a slow news day here in Carolina. On Monday morning, we found out that Baker was going to be released from the Carolina Panthers. And we did later find out that Baker was the one who asked to be released. And there's a possibility that he plays tonight in the Thursday night game there in L.A. Um, after seeing Baker have a short offseason and not get much time in an offense, I wouldn't recommend it. But Sean McVay, do you. You want a Super Bowl. You know more about football than me which now means that Sam Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback at least for this week with P.J. Walker being his backup. Baker is only 1-5 in five as a starter. Again, QB wins not a stat, but he is by far the worst starting quarterback of the Matt Rule era, and that says a lot considering Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Teddy Bridgewater have been starting quarterbacks here. Not going to say anything about Cam Newton because the man's a legend and certainly not the same Cam that we saw the first time around here in Carolina. So Sam Darnold, he's got an opportunity over the next five weeks to at least show that he can come back here and be a veteran backup for a first-round quarterback, which the Carolina Panthers are absolutely going to take if they do not make the playoffs. In all likelihood, they're not going to make the playoffs considering what happened on Monday with Tampa. But Sam Darnold, if he takes care of the football, is able to lean on a rushing game, the Carolina Panthers absolutely can go on the road and beat the Seattle Seahawks games, Seahawks team. So really, the main story of the week is Baker's out, Sam's in, and let's see. They gave up a second, fourth, and sixth round pick about 20 months ago to the New York Jets for Sam Darnold and then blindly handed him nearly $19 million. Go be that guy that they thought you could be. Let's see it. He did it a little bit on, against Denver. They didn't ask him to do too much. I imagine they won't ask him to do too much on Sunday, but they're going to need a strong performance again from Sam Darnold. They're going to come out with a victory Sunday afternoon in Seattle. I'm sure that won't be the first time that we mentioned Sam Darnold in the rest of this crossover special. And that's a perfect segue. Coming up, we're going to be looking at a few key matchups for both sides, maybe some matchups that are advantageous for the Seahawks and Panthers, maybe some matchups that are a little bit concerning heading into this game. We'll get to those here in a moment on our Crossover Thursday special. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. Find Block Forever now wherever you get your podcast. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level and gives football fans an insider's look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. He sits down with star players, coaches, and former pros across the league to get real about what happens on the field as well as behind the scenes inside locker rooms during team meetings and back at the hotel. You'll hear from Christian McCaffrey talking about his love-hate relationship with fantasy football and Juju Smith-Schuster giving his most honest opinions on other players and positions in the league. Catch the full Block Forever series available anywhere you get your podcast. Audible, get in the game. You're listening to our latest Crossover Thursday special here on the Locked On Podcast Network. we got the Seahawks and Panthers getting ready to duke it out at Lumen Field in Week 14. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for this latest crossover, Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. Thanks to Seahawks and Panthers listeners for making Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Panthers your first listen five days a week. All right, let's get to our key matchups heading into this matchup between the Seahawks and the Panthers at Lumen Field. And it's always interesting hearing other teams' perspectives in these crossovers because sometimes the matchups are advantageous ones that you feel like your team can take advantage of and sometimes it's really concerning ones. What is a matchup for the Panthers starting on the offensive side of the football for Carolina that you're looking at against the Seahawks team that either concerns you or you think, you know what, this is a big advantage for the Panthers going into this road game? Yeah, being able to run the football seems like it should be a massive advantage for the Carolina Panthers considering Seattle is, what, ranked 31st in league against the run as far as yards allowed per game at 155.3. Like, that's bad. And I, I don't imagine you feel great about the Seahawks rushing defense at this point in time through 13 weeks of the season. 
Since Steve Wilkes took over here in Carolina, he has focused on running the football. Matt Rule, Ben McAdoo, for whatever reason, in the first five weeks decided, we're going to be a team that's going to air it out. That is not what Baker Mayfield did well in Cleveland. He leaned on play action, hand the ball off to Nick Chubb, and they've gotten back to that formula now that Baker's gone and since P.J. Walker's come in and now Sam Darnold's been in two weeks ago against Denver and then Sunday afternoon against Seattle, I imagine they're going to want to do the exact same thing lean on a guy like Deontay Foreman, barring that he's healthy enough. Foreman did say after missing practice on Wednesday, he's 95% sure that he'll be available to play on Sunday afternoon in Seattle. Chuba Hubbard can also help them run the football. Those two guys have done a really good job, especially Foreman, someone who really wears on you throughout the end of the game. Uh, Steve Wilkes even kind of likened him to Derrick Henry, the guy he took over for last year in Tennessee when Henry went out with that foot injury. And you guys just have a player in Marshawn Lynch who also was one of those guys who would just run it down your throat all game long. You get tired of hitting that guy come the fourth quarter. So the Panthers should be able to run the football since Wilkes took over. The Panthers are averaging 136 yards rushing per game, and in their three wins, 196 yards per game they've rushed in those wins. So that seems to be, be a massive advantage for the Carolina Panthers' offensive line that has really bulked up and been a strength of this team and with who they've leaned on over the last couple of weeks, that they should be able to push the Seahawks around and control the line of scrimmage and be able to run the football all day long. Yeah, I've got that circled as my most concerning matchup when we look at the Seahawks on defense. And I feel like it's this way every week. You know, there's always been the joke that the Shanahans can take a water boy and turn him into a thousand yard rusher. It feels like the Seahawks defense can take a water boy and turn him into a 150 yard rusher any given Sunday. Now, they have had some games, they've been really solid. And I even thought Sunday against the Rams, they gave up a lot of rushing yards. But most of that came against jet sweeps, and they were actually doing pretty well stuffing Cam Akers between the tackles. Then the Josh Jacobs game, really you take two long carries out of the equation, they shut him down most of the game. But you give up an 86-yard game winner, that's going to skew the stats, and that has really been the big problem for the Seahawks defense. The run defense has been good. We look like they're getting things figured out, and then they give up a 30- or 40-yard run, and then they'll give up another one later in the game. And it compounds on this defense. They haven't been able to get off the field on third down consistently. So teams are getting 30, 35 carries a game to wear down that front seven. So I'm really looking at Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton, the linebackers. Barton in particular, he has been a punching bag for Seahawks fans this year. And I wrote an article about it today. I think it's extremely unfair to pin this run defense's issues on one player, especially because he's played much better the last five or six weeks. It's yeah. really been a defense-wide thing where – They'll have a missed tackle or they'll have a defensive lineman that gets out of his run fit or a linebacker will miss a tackle or safety will miss a tackle. It's little things like that that just keep adding up and hurting this team, giving up three or four big runs a game. If they could just clean those up and they did that in a four game winning streak early this year, it looked like the run defense was fixed. If they can get back to playing like that, they can stop other teams from running the football, they've shown they can do it. They've gotten some third and one, fourth and one stops where they've really been able to stonewall the front line, and then they'll turn around and give up a big run. It's been the explosives that have been a problem. They've also had issues with running backs that can run hard between the tackles and bowl over people, carry piles. Foreman absolutely can do that. So I am concerned about this at the same time. Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton have been playing better football as of late. If the front line can do a little bit better job with their run fits, I am confident that those guys can get after Foreman, but that is a big if with the run fits because that's been a real problem all season long for the Seahawks defense. Now let's go to the Panthers defense, one that I think is one of the most underrated in football, in particular yeah. since Wilkes took over. They've been playing great football. Now 
I don't put any stock in what they did to the Denver Broncos two weeks ago because nobody no. can have bad defense against the Denver Broncos this year. No. But they've been really good against other teams too. There's been a few games things have gotten away from them, but they've got a lot of talent. What's a matchup, though, for this Panthers defense maybe that concerns you a little bit? Because Seattle, their defense has question marks. The offense, the run game's a problem for them right now, but their passing game has been a lead, and this is a top-five scoring offense in the NFL. Yeah, that they are, and Geno has been really good. I know he had the game-winning drive there late in the game on Sunday afternoon on the road in L.A., which was a big point for him to be able to do that after having opportunities that he missed early on in the season. I'm concerned about that pass game. The Panthers a little banged up in the secondary. Dante Jackson, their corner, their number two corner, he's out for the rest of the season. On practice on Wednesday, I saw Miles Hartfield, who's been out the last couple of weeks with an ankle issue. He was limited. Xavier Woods, who's one of their starting safeties, he was limited with a knee. So there's a little bit of concern with those two guys. Hopefully, if they're able to go, the Panthers can be fine in the back end. Just got Jeremy Chin back. But really, I'm concerned about the cornerback spot. And the fact that the Seahawks don't have just one, but they have two excellent wide receivers DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who Lockett is sixth right now in the NFC in receptions, fifth in receiving yards, and second in touchdowns. The guy is excellent. He's been so good for them for a long time. And honestly, like on this side of the country, it still feels like he's super underrated. I'm sure you're used to that, knowing being out on the West Coast, how they're the East Coast bias and really pay too many attention to players like that. But he's been excellent. And the Panthers have a guy like J.C. Horn at corner who matched up against Lockett or DK Metcalf is going to hold his own. My concern is with Hartsfield if he's banged up and trying to play. But really, it's with C.J. Henderson, who Steve Wilkes called out a couple weeks ago saying that he has to be better. Henderson, the Panthers traded for last year, seeing a third-round pick and a player over to Jacksonville. He's a former top-10 pick in the 2020 draft. He's been flat-out bad, honestly, here in Carolina. He's not been up to snuff at all. It looks like a bad trade. It's been a bad trade up until this point in time. And the Panthers have a decision to make as far as his fifth-year option. And I'd be surprised through 13 weeks of the season the Panthers decide, yeah, that's a guy we want to invest in moving forward. So I'm concerned about whoever's on Lockett or on Metcalf, the guy who's opposite of J.C. Horn, because Geno Smith certainly should be picking on them all day. He should be able to leave the, move the football down the field through the air in that if they do that on Sunday afternoon. There really isn't a team in the NFL that you don't have at least a little bit of confidence to be the Seahawks with the receivers they've got and the way Gina was played. Like you feel yeah. every game, I should be able to throw the football. The big question has been, can you keep Geno Smith clean? And obviously Russell Wilson, that's one of the reasons that he's in Denver now is his frustration with the pass protection in front of him. I don't know that it necessarily was all on the offensive line and that's kind of coming fruition in Denver right now, but Nonetheless, uh, the offensive line has taken a few steps back in the last three weeks. And in particular, the rookie tackles, Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross, they have been really good. They've been fantastic as rookies. Both of them look like foundational pieces on the offensive line. But they do look like they maybe hit that rookie wall a little bit the last couple of weeks. And the question is, are they going to stay stagnant on that wall? Or are they going to get over the hump and get back to playing better football? Lucas looked a little bit better this past weekend. Cross gave up a sack, had a few other pressures. So he's been up and down the last couple of weeks, but they need those two guys to bring their A game because this Seahawks offense has been grounded in the past by elite pass rushers who wreak havoc. And Brian Burns is absolutely that. And so that is a big concern going into this game. Can you keep Brian Burns away? And in the interior, they've got some other players that can get after the quarterback. Maybe the sack numbers aren't there. But the Panthers yeah. have a lot of high draft picks that are really talented players on that front line. 
and just really the concern on the edge. Can the tackles get back to playing at their best? If they can, and they give Geno Smith some time, then you always like your matchups with Lockett and Metcalf on the outside and Marquise Goodwin in the slot, the three-headed tight end monster they have. Yeah, they have tons of weapons for him. You just got to have time to be able to unload the football. Geno's done a good job with pressure in his face, but still, you want to keep Brian Burns and company away from him. That, to me, is the matchup for the Seahawks on offense that is most important in this game, especially if they're not going to be having their top two or three running backs in this game to give some balance and they're going to have to throw the ball more. You better be able to keep your quarterback healthy. The last thing they want to see is Drew Locke having to come in late in the game in relief for Geno Smith because he gets blasted too many times by Carolina's front line. So that is absolutely, to me, matchup number one of concern for the Seahawks going into this game. They can do that. I like the players on the outside against Carolina's secondary. J.C. Horn I have a ton of respect for, but I, I look at the rest of that secondary and I think Seattle's receivers and Geno, just the way he's throwing the ball right now, that should be an advantage for him if he has time to throw it. Yeah, well, I just want to I just want to add one quick thing uh, to that. I mean, Brian Burns, four straight games, he's had a sack, and he really has been the guy all season long that's been able to get after the passer. But over the last three weeks, we've seen guys like Marquise Haynes, who's had three sacks for the last three three weeks. We've also seen Frankie Louvu step up as well. So it has not just been Burns; it's been some of the other guys opposite of him that stepped up that can certainly challenge Geno Smith and those young tackles on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, the emergence of some of these other pass rushers here under Steve Wilkes and the way this defense is playing, it is absolutely of the utmost concern for Seattle and those young rookie tackles that haven't been playing quite as well as of late. They're hoping that they can get over that rookie wall here in week 14 and beyond. Coming up next, we're going to get to some keys to victory and a few predictions heading into this matchup between the Panthers and the Seahawks at Lumen Field. We'll be back to our crossover here in a moment. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you're seeking a delicious protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and coconut brownie topper. They've also got white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still in insanely tasty and they've also got candy cane brownie here for the holidays in puff bar form built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud for anyone who hasn't tried built bars before they're literally literally the best tasting protein bar built's revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100 real chocolate 17 grams of protein and shockingly low sugar and calories just 130 calories per bar so sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever you're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite I haven't had a chance to try them all, so that's an unanswerable question at this point, but they're all unbelievable, and they're all different, so you can get a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. You're listening to a crossover special edition here on Locked On Podcast Network. We've got Seahawks and Panthers getting ready to duke it out at Lumen Field in Week 14. I'm Corbin Smith for Locked On Seahawks, joined by Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. Thanks to Seahawks and Panthers fans for making Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Panthers your first listen five days a week. All right, we've got this big game coming up between the Seahawks and the Panthers at Lumen Field Week 14. 
Sam Darnold going up against Geno Smith. And I think if we'd have looked at that battle maybe a year ago, probably not the most enticing quarterback battle, but the way that Geno Smith's playing, Sam Darnold had a good first start coming off an injury. If he can continue playing that way, maybe the Panthers can stay hot, stay in the NFC South race as well. Let's get to our keys to victory. You look at the Panthers. It's a team that's been playing much better football. They've went three and four under Steve Wilkes since they fired Matt Rule. They've had to change a bunch of quarterbacks, but it seems like they found a little bit of rhythm on offense. The defense is playing pretty darn well. What do you think they need to do to go to Seattle and win at Lumen Field, a place that, quite frankly, hasn't been as daunting for opponents in recent years? Even this year, they've lost two games at home. Yeah, and I'm excited about the quarterback matchup before I get into that with Gino and Sam both being Jets cast-offs. Uh, both, you could call them failed quarterbacks. Certainly Sam, I think more so than Gino. Like Gino, Gino got punched in the jaw by one of his teammates, and Ryan Fitzpatrick had the only good season he's ever had in the NFL. So bad luck there for Gino, but then he's kind of sat around the rest of the league, bounced around, and he's got an opportunity. So I'm happy to see him have success this year, and I'm hoping Sam Darnold can have the same sort of success on Sunday. He was 11 of 19 in that win against the Denver Broncos, had 164 yards passing, so not really gaudy numbers, had one touchdown pass, which was a beautiful throw to DJ Moore, had another one later on that was a 52-yard pass to DJ down the sideline, and also had that rushing touchdown where he fumbled, well, he got stripped, then stopped, grabbed, and rolled right into the end zone. So you're going to need the kind of same Sam Darnold who can take care of the football. Now, don't fumble at this time, but take care of the football and lean on the run game. Running the football, like I said earlier, is a Panthers key to winning this football game. They're not going to ask Sam to do too much. They don't want to be in a position to ask Sam to air the ball out. He, Steve Wilkes has talked about quarterbacks in this league, they're going to get their own yards, but you have to be able to control the line of scrimmage and to really impose your will. And he's done that with his offensive philosophy. It's not surprising, like Pete Carroll, a defensive guy, he's going to want to have an offense that complements his defense. And certainly the Panthers have been able to do that over the last couple of weeks running the football. So they're going to win on Sunday. They're going to have to have a similar performance that they had and the one against Denver as far as running the football. Same thing when they beat Atlanta the last time around and when they beat Tampa Bay. They have to run the football to have success and be able to win on Sunday. And the matchup certainly appears to be advantageous and defensively. Got to get after Geno Smith, get him uncomfortable. They're certainly, them being the Seahawks, are going to certainly pass plenty of times, give them plenty of opportunities like Brian Burns to get after the, the passer in the run game. doesn't really concern you. But running the football, really the run game overall, that is what Carolina has to be able to execute offensively and defensively if they're going to get a win on the road for the first time all season at Seattle on Sunday afternoon. And the Seahawks will be looking to get back in the win column at home. It feels like it's been forever since they won a game at Lumen Field, in part because they haven't played very many games there. They're going to play four of their final five games at home, including this one against the Panthers. And it's really the opposite script for the Seahawks going into this game. Can you make Sam Darnold beat you? Can you make the Panthers one-dimensional? And I think Moore is a fantastic receiver. They get a couple other guys that are solid secondary targets on this offense. But I would force the Panthers to beat me throwing the football and stuff Foreman. That's got to be the game plan. Now, that's easier said than done. The Seahawks have shown this year, though, they can do it. When the run defense is on point and they're playing disciplined football, they have been hard to run the football against. When they get sloppy with their run fits and their tackling, they give up explosives and suddenly 170 to 190 rushing yards, or in the case a couple weeks ago, almost 300 against the Raiders because of that massive 86-yard touchdown by Jacobs at the end of the game. Those breakdowns have really skewed the numbers. This run defense has been solid most of the year, but the breakdowns have been meltdowns of epic proportions. You can't have that happen against this Panthers offense. 
and let that run game go. If you can play like you did against the Giants in week eight when they shut down Saquon Barkley and said, okay, Daniel Jones, it's your job to beat us. And Daniel Jones could not do that. I think the Seahawks should go in this game feeling the same way with Sam Darnold, who, yes, he played fairly well a few weeks ago, but that was still an average game for a quarterback. And Geno Smith has consistently been able to put more points on the board than that. If they can limit the Panthers' output with the run game and force Sam Darnold to win this game defensively, I would like Seattle's chances to get that eighth victory and and keep the Panthers winless at home. As far as the other side of the football, I think they're going to have to use the quick passing game to open up some of their deep shots instead of the run game. I just don't have much confidence right now. If Ken Walker III is available and he's healthy, that changes things a little bit. Even DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas has been a solid backup, and he can be a a spot starter. They can run the football fairly well. But I would not be confident going into this game that they're going to be able to pound the rock a bunch. Even though the Panthers have been susceptible at times, they just don't have the personnel right now to be able to do that with all the injuries they have at running back. You're going to have to use the quick passing game in part to keep those pass rushers at bay, but use that as your extension to the run game. And they've been really good with that quick passing game with Geno Smith, especially attacking the middle of the field of their tight ends. They've been getting the receivers involved in that capacity. Running backs are getting more opportunities to catch the football though we don't know who's going to be catching the ball out of the backfield in this game. I could keep stating that over and over again. It really is where's Waldo in the backfield right now for the Seahawks. But they have to emphasize that quick passing game to open up some of those deep shots. And I think they'll be able to take a few shots later in the game to Metcalf, Lockett, Goodwin. Even their tight ends have some deep downfield capability as well. But they're going to have to open that up with the quick passing game functioning more of their establishing the run than actually running the football. All right. Yeah. I mean, with, with Seattle, if you want to make Sam Darnold beat you, it, it's not really loading up the box. I think it's going to have to do it. You're going to have to heat him up because Sam Darnold, as we've seen in the past, does not handle pressure well at all. He's shown this that many times. So if you go out, if you load the box up and you want to stop the run, I still think Sam can have success. But what the Panthers want to do is run off that play action, be able to run the football and not ask him to do too much, especially Steve Oaks, who really does not want to be risk averse at all when it comes to the passing game and having a quarterback in Sam Darnold, who I don't think he has that much faith in, as we saw at the game plan, but he's certainly going to allow him to do certain things if the defense shows him the kind of look that they're looking for. So be a big game for Carolina. Again, Steve Oaks talked about having a playoff mentality, doing something he have not done all year long, winning on the road, Getting back-to-back wins, the Panthers have to, in my opinion, remain perfect over the last or be perfect over the last five weeks of the season, which would then be a six-game winning streak if they want to win the division. Tampa's still very likely going to win it at eight and nine, maybe nine and eight. We'll see how things work out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the last five weeks of the season. And Carolina will have a say in that when they play in a couple of weeks. But the Panthers absolutely have to win this game. Wilkes won't call it a must-win. No coach will. But they want to be a playoff team, which, you know, plenty of fans don't want them to be anyways because the draft pick and the hopes that a quarterback in college will actually be the right guy. Where we've seen plenty of times that doesn't work out. Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, two guys are drafted high that are perfect examples that have been on his roster, but still the best path forward for the Panthers is going to be getting a quarterback. So losing on Sunday would not be that the worst thing, but this is a team that still is trying to win, trying to find a head coach. And they think that maybe that head coach could be Steve Wilkes. But as I've told fans, if you want Steve Wilkes to be the head coach, He's got to win a division. He's got to win out here. And it all starts on Sunday on the road in Seattle. Yeah, I think there's definitely desperation on both sides. And it's somewhat similar because the Panthers are still pushing for the division title. That's the only way they're going to be getting into the postseason is winning the NFC South. Seattle is only one game behind San Francisco. And something you got to wonder about with this being a really young team. 
They're seven and five. You've got that big Thursday night home matchup coming up against the 49ers literally five days after this game. Pete Carroll's number one message this week to his players has got to be, we can't be thinking about that game on Thursday night. And with young teams, that can be a problem. They can be looking towards that 49ers game. And that's when you get punched in the mouth by a team that's four games under 500 like the Panthers. So I definitely think that this is a game. I wouldn't call it a trap game. And Pete Carroll today made it very clear he is taking this Panthers team seriously with the way that they're playing right now. His players, I think, are going to respond favorably to that message. But at the same time, uh, they're looking at that game coming up on Thursday night thinking this is our chance to get back at San Francisco and maybe be in first place in the division, depending what happens this weekend. Seattle could be atop of the NFC West again, but to get there, you can't lose this football game. So it is absolutely a must win for Geno Smith and company. You can't have another letdown after almost losing to a injury depleted Rams team last Sunday. They need to be crisper on both sides of the football and take care of business real quick not going to get any score predictions today but let's just get one prediction for Sunday's game something you expect is going to happen on Sunday I expect that uh the Panthers are going to run the football with a lot of success so yeah I think Deontay Foreman if he's healthy able to play 100 yards easy I think that the Seahawks are going to have success getting after Sam Darnold. I think they're going to get four or five sacks in this football game. And they've been so up and down with their pass rush. But when they get hot, it seems to happen for two or three game stretches. They just started one on Sunday against the Rams. And that's a really poor offensive line, obviously. But I just think this is a game, if you can get some heat on Sam Darnold, as you mentioned, uh, he can really fold under pressure and make some bad decisions with the football. And he'll take sacks as well. This is a game with the home crowd pumped behind him. I believe they get a real chance to get after him. I don't know if that means it's going to be a win or not, but I think they're going to have some success getting after Sam Darnold. As always, thanks to Seahawks and Panthers fans for making Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Panthers your first listen five days a week. I'm Corbin Smith for Locked On Seahawks. He's Julian Council for Locked On Panthers. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Panthers on Friday as we continue to preview this upcoming matchup between the Seahawks and Panthers at Lumen Field. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks, go Panthers.